Get ready to drop the puck, take a free throw, and step up to the plate. It's time for the Metro East Sports Podcast on lineupmedia.fm. From the Lineup Media Studios in beautiful downtown Edwardsville, welcome to the Metro East Sports Podcast, season number three, show number 38, recorded the week of Monday, November 28th, 2022. Happy birthday, Dad. Today's my dad's birthday. Happy birthday to your dad. Good guy, good sports guy, unconditional love and good support for me as a kid, for sure. Thanks to partners, Cassins, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, Callaway Home Loans, Keller Williams Marquis, Jeb and Ginger Blasting Game, Integrity Spine and Joint Center, Front Office Fiduciary Network, Oakbrook Golf Club, and Rosenthal Licensed and Title Services. We're talking all things sports in the Metro East. I'm Dave Leip. The voice you just heard on the other microphone belongs to Chris Eddy, golf coach at O'Fallon Township High School, 2A Mespy winner, back-to-back years. Following up Coach Eddie, we've got John Huff coming in from Gateway Sports Venue, and he and I are going to discuss all things. We're going to put a bow on the fall sports season. Guest number three, Josh Hunt, triad girls basketball head coach and his Hall of Fame assistant coach, Bud Valino. Three things you can do to help. Number one, subscribe to this podcast. Sub what? It's a tough word, Chris. Subscribe to this podcast. It's free and you love it. And you get to listen to me stumble all over my words. And number two, follow us in all of our social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and of course, the gram. And if you have a story idea, email me please at mespdave at gmail.com. And remember, you can nominate your favorite team for Integrity Spine Center, Metro East Team of the Month. Could be a park and rec team, could be a middle school team, a high school team, you name it. To nominate a team for Team of the Month, send your suggestion to mesbdave at gmail.com and please put Team of the Month in the subject line. Coach Eddie, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's always good to see you. And I told you, I think you've gotten taller. You're a tall guy. How tall are you? Uh, six three, six four. And I know you're an awesome golfer. Does that help you on the golf course? I mean, taller yard lets you swing a little bit harder, a little bit more leverage. Maybe that's my problem. Only as a six-footer, I'm not able to poke it out there like, like you can. Well, we're not here to talk about your golf game. We're here to talk about the Panthers. Congratulations on another terrific season. Thank you. Uh, it was another enjoyable uh, season where we had a lot of good accomplishments and a lot of seniors led the way for us this year. Conference champs, which is a big deal. Let's start with that. A lot of competition in the Southwestern Conference. It's never easy in the Southwestern Conference. Is that a priority for your team every year? Uh, I mean, our priorities are to win the conference, and then our second priority is to go to state. Um, I mean, re- you, regional is there, but our kind of our goal is just to advance there. We don't put as much emphasis on that as we do winning the conference and going to state. So, uh, you know, kind of our focal points more conference and then sectionals to go to state. So, Okay, and remind me. For the conference championship, you've got. Do you have a dual match? Do you go head to head versus the other teams? We have thirty six holes, so we have a a conference tournament at the end of August, and you combine those results with one that's pretty well close to the end of September. So it ends up being a thirty six hole event, just like the state tournament. Okay, so two tournaments, but they're held several weeks apart. Three weeks apart. Okay, and where were those tournaments held this year? Uh, The first one was at Belk Park, and the second one was at Far Oaks. Who decides where these tournaments are held? Uh, one of them has to be in a neutral site in Madison County, 
that is not somebody's home golf course. And then one of them has to be in St. Clair County. That is not somebody's home golf course. So Elk Park is the one in Madison County and Far Oaks is the one in St. Clair County. What's your home course? Tamarack. Okay. Awesome. And then the team, well, who was second in the conference? Edwardsville? Edwardsville. They actually jumped out to a big lead on us. Uh, after the first tournament. Yeah. They I were, remember reading that now. They were up 12 after conference tournament one. Uh, they played really pretty well. We didn't play as well as we would have liked. So they had a, what we would call a very significant lead of a 12-stroke lead. And then uh, we played very well on uh, the second round and came back and won by, I think, 11. Wow. Uh, so it was an exciting day, especially with uh, live scoring. Um, that made it even more exciting to watch yourself uh, work up the leaderboard. It's kind of a weird thing to think about one tournament because – that's over the span of three weeks because you play and then you got three weeks to worry about it or think about it. In your case, what did you try to get done with these girls mentally? Uh, I mean, we were back and forth with Edwardsville a lot during the year. Um, we had beat them by double digits before. And obviously, you know, right out of the gate, they beat us by double digits in that conference tournament. Um, so we really just tried to let them, you know, let them think, hey, this is a new tournament. we got to go out and play well. And our girls knew that if we played well, we had a chance. And I always tell them all you can try to do is do your best and give yourself a chance. So, I mean, even though we were 12 down, we were just trying to go out there and give ourselves a chance. Uh, and we spent a lot of time and energy and money practicing at Far Oaks between those, uh, between those dates because we knew conference was going to be held there. We knew sectional was going to be held there. So, kind of the ticket to our success and the ticket to our goals for see the season ran through Far Oaks. So we spent a lot of, spent a lot of time out there. And everybody else knew that that's where those events were going to be held. Mm -hmm. So they had that same opportunity to go out there and, and, and play those courses. You feel like you played them more than most other people then? Uh, we did. We, uh, we spent a significant amount of time and money out there uh, this season, but you know, when sectionals are up in Springfield or something, we spend three or four rounds up there. Um, we just kind of focus on our goals of the conference tournament and wherever the sectional is um, to try to achieve those goals of the conference and go into state. And the ticket was through Far Oaks this year. And you're paying attention to details because if this is where we're going to play, this is where we're going to play. It, they have a, All of them have a very detailed plan, and uh, some of them like it, some of them don't, some of them agree with it, and some of them don't. Uh, but playing out there enough gives them the opportunity to buy into what we're trying to do. And, you know, some of them did not like their kind of individual plan. Uh, but then after we made the big charge during conference and played quite well at sectional, you know, they start to enjoy the results and the success. So, for example, you're going to say to your girl who plays number three, or, or are you going to say to every single girl, okay, on number 15, we're going to hit five wood, and then seven iron into the green. Like, are you, is that what you're talking about? All of them have different plans. Uh, I mean, we've got some girls who only hit their driver 175 yards, and we've got a couple who can hit it 260 yards. Uh, so each of them are different. Gotcha. Uh, um, you know, some of them, we had one girl who was at the sectional, she had 138 yards to the center of the green, had to carry it over a lake. She looks at me, and I tell her she's laying up, and she doesn't like it. I know exactly where we stand and exactly what we need to get done. Uh, and the problem was if she hits that shot in the lake, she has to hit it from the exact same spot again. Ooh. 
Uh, and probably 50% of the time she hits the shot and 50% of the time it goes in the lake. When you're already in the lead, um, there's no point of bringing bigger numbers into play. Uh, so she looked at me as a senior, not very happy, and I just said, hey, this is what we're doing. Uh, it's not about you. It's about our team. Our goal was to move on, and if you hit the shot, chip it on, and two-putt, we're going to be in a great position. And that's what she did. And then at the end, she looks at me. I'm like, you know, look at where we're at. Uh, by the end, we couldn't have won sectional anyway, but we got second, uh, which is another good showing for us. And I imagine other girls, some other girls, depending on who they are and how they hit it, you're going to say, go for it. it. I mean, some of them firing at from 180, we go for it. Uh, some of them even further. It just depends. Each kid's unique. I mean, this kid's hitting, trying to hit a five iron out of the rough to carry it 138 yards to where we've got some girls who are hitting nine and eight iron out of it. Uh, so, I mean, each kid is treated differently um, depending on their talent level. And you are thinking about all this and you're communicating it and that must be tough because then you've got emotions thrown in thrown into it too how much emotional management of these girls do you teach i mean a lot of them pretty well they understand their game uh especially this one being a senior she understands her game uh she understands that that was the right play in the situation that we had um if it's an invitational event that's not conference or not really sectional or state, I let them do it. Uh, I let them learn through almost every tournament I try to utilize as a learning experience besides the conference tournament, the sectional, and the state tournament. Um, we talk about game plans, and if they want to do something different, like if that was in one of our home tournaments, I'd have said go for it. And then wherever it went, we would have looked, hey, was that a good play or was that a bad play? Statistic-wise, whether you hit a good shot or a bad shot, how many times is this going to be you know, a good play for us? as far as helping out our score. Um, so we use those moments all season, but there's just a couple of tournaments to where, you know, even though we have that plan, we're really dictating that a little bit. Uh, it's so smart. Like, I get what you're saying, that you use the regular season to sort of take your lumps and to have your learning moments. And I remember you saying last time that you'll let them fail during the regular season, knowing that that learning is going to pay off in the long run. That's, that's great advice for a young coach. I'm not, I That's just, smart. I mean, because most people would overemphasize, or I'm sure people have made that mistake before. Whereas sometimes, and sometimes during a tennis match, I'll sit back and not get involved. And I think sometimes people look at that and say, why doesn't he get more involved? And I'll think, this kid needs to figure this out for herself or himself. Let this, let this happen. I think probably, is there a lot of overcoaching in golf? I mean, some teams try to overcoach because they all try to, like you were talking about earlier, they say, hey, you have to hit it to this spot and you have to hit this club. What, I mean, we've, we've got two kids on our team that hit the ball 260 or something. And then we've got the rest of them fly their driver 170 to 200 yards. You can't coach them the same. You can't treat them the same. Uh, their target scores on all holes are different. Um, and like you said, I mean, we played one tournament this year up in Pekin. It was 172 yards to carry this water where all of them wanted to hit driver. I think four out of six of them won, hit it in the water. You only had to carry it 172 yards. All of them, I can do it, I can do it, even though we played a practice round and a lot of them hit it in the water. Uh, come tournament day, I still let them all hit it. Uh, you know, if that if they host sectional, which they have before, we, we won't hit it, uh, or this group wouldn't, a lot of them wouldn't have hit it. We'd have made adjustments, but... 
you know, a lot of them, when they hit in the water, they just look at me and smile and we proceed and, you know, go from there. But uh, like you talked about, it's a learning experience for a lot of them. And I think sometimes that, you know, you tell them that's not the smartest play, but if that's what you want to do, you can do it. And then I think along the way, it gives them a better buy-in to what your game plan is. Um, and I've had tournaments too, to where I've just kind of stood there and walked along and watched them all play, wrote down a whole bunch of things. And then at the end, Hey, why did you do this? And why did you do that? Just to try to get in their brains and see what they're thinking about. Uh, when I'm around, they try to play smarter. When our assistant coaches around, they try to play smarter when we're not there. Sometimes they try to hit balls through trees and make not as intelligent uh, choices. Um, but you know, this group's grown a lot. Uh, we had five seniors, so. So you're watching it, and they're watching it. Afterwards, do you ever feel like you saw two totally different rounds? Uh, between what they interpret and yes. I interpret? I mean, sometimes, but a lot of them, we, I mean, you only got six kids, and you play a practice round together. You got an assistant coach out there. Uh, a lot of times, they kind of see it the same, uh, not all the time, but uh, they'll own up to... They'll own up to 90% of what they do. They, uh, we've had a lot of girls who they're, they'll own up to it, whether it was smart or not smart. They'll own it, which is, I think, a very good characteristic of a lot of our girls. Let's talk about the postseason. Second place at regional, second place at sectional. Did you feel like you were peaking at the right time? Obviously, you didn't want to lose to Edwardsville, who shot great at the regional, but your team continued to improve through sectionals. I mean, we were we were peaking. I thought we were peaking kind of when we went to Decatur to play in a tournament two or three weeks into September. We played really, really well. Uh, all season, Reagan Martin counted for us every time. I believe uh, Shaley Ficken and Valerie Meinkoth were counting for us almost every time. And then we were kind of having uh, two of the other seniors, Ava Pace and Caitlin Core, kind of bounce back and forth for who was counting. Uh, then we, we went up to Decatur, which is where it's exactly set up like state. We actually had all five, five of our top six play really well. And I kind of thought that's when we were peaking. Um, and then, I mean, what was awesome about our sectional was my sophomore, who had counted every single time, got something weird going on. And uh, we ended up counting all four seniors. Uh, my sophomore played not very well. And all four seniors carried the load, which is the first time all season that uh, my sophomore wasn't in that counting lineup. So it was really neat to see the four seniors carry the load because, I mean, there was four really good teams at sectional. I mean, there was a lot of good teams, but there was four teams who could very easily have qualified for the state tournament. You felt like going into sectional, there were four teams to keep an eye on. Yes, Sacred Heart Griffin, U-High, us, and Edwardsville. And you felt like your girls played well, though? No, we played uh, – we had a lot of good scores. Uh, like I said, I mean – I mean, for a lot of them, they were, I mean, they might not have been their lowest scores, but they might have been w one of the best rounds they shot all year. That's some, some things people don't understand with how a lot of the high school golf courses are. Um, I mean, a 75 at one golf course could be better than a 70 or 72 yeah. at another golf course. And people don't, people don't realize that uh, the golf courses change in level of difficulty and everything. So, you know, you go somewhere and 77 is a great score. You go somewhere else, 80 might be a good score. And I mean, our regional was at Arlington, and, I mean, I don't even know the number of low scores and career best. There were some teams who shot 80 strokes better than they have all season. Uh, 
because of the course because of the course uh where they where they were set up from those tees um makes it uh easier for some they set it up for scoring they set it up for scoring to you know let people score (laughs) then you go to state and you qualify for state and you're feeling proud of yourselves and you should have and you should how many times have you qualified for state how many times the team uh, we've been seven of the last eight years. Um, Which is an impressive record. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good start. We're going to try to continue on that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we qualified for state. Our girls kind of knew that if we played well, we could uh, – there's 12 teams that go to state. If you, they take the top eight teams after day one, we knew that if we played well, somewhere around that sixth to eighth place was a realistic goal for us if we played well. Um, we didn't play as well as we would have liked to, uh, so we didn't make it to day two. Uh, reflecting on it, you know, seventh or eighth place would have been really good for the group that we had this year. I try to continue to tell the group, don't look at it that you didn't make day two a state. Look at it as you're the 11th best golf team in the state and the numerous accomplishments you had throughout the season. And it looks like a lot of the familiar suspects, Hensdale Central won it all, and then you've got Stevenson, GBN, Barrington, and then Normal University was, was kind of a surprise to me to see them finishing in fifth place, but you knew that they were going to be strong. Yeah, I mean, they're strong all season. Uh, we've, we've, we see them four or five times. We go up to Central Illinois to basically just to see them, Sacred Heart, see what else is there. Uh, they had, you know, they've had a really good team, um, and – We've beaten them, and they've beaten us, but it's kind of like those four teams I've told you about. Uh, anybody can beat anybody on that. So those teams, you can't take anything for granted. You don't play well, you will lose. What does Normal have in, have coming back next year? I know they lose their number one. Uh, I know Sacred Heart loses a lot. Uh, our local rival, Edwardsville, loses a horse. Uh, Nicole Johnson. We lose... I mean, I lose five of my top seven, four of my top five. Uh, so it'll be a different look for a lot of people next year. Next year, we are going to find out if you just had a good team this year because you had four seniors or if you are a program. And considering the fact that you've qualified seven out of the last eight years, we pretty much know you've got a program, right? But next year will be a good program year for you, right? True. Next year will be a challenging year for us. Uh, through all of our past years, we've had we've grown a lot of depth through our JV program, and our JV program had been able to compete in a lot of varsity events. Uh, we don't have the strength of numbers and the talent that we've grown at the JV level. So next year is kind of we've already started on next year uh, with we've got we're kind of targeting five to seven kids that we know have to put in a lot of work. And we're pushing them to get in that work and helping them get in that work because uh, that's where we've got Shaley Ficken returning. Uh, she was first team all-conference. Uh, actually, at the con- second conference tournament, she shoots one under par 71 and was four under her like last seven holes. Uh, and I've got Lindsay Jackson, who was a freshman this year. Uh, she'll be coming back next year. The first round she actually counted for us this year was at the state tournament. Uh, so those two are going to have to lead the way. And then we've got a lot of new people that we're going to have to get to work extremely hard in the offseason to allow us to be competitive next year. But you're already getting them ready. We are working on and it. You're, and you're focused on it. 
and I know you guys are going to be solid again next year, and I know that you're going to be competing for the conference title again next year, despite the fact that you've graduated all these seniors. How would you describe Nicole Johnson, state champion from Edwardsville? I mean, Nicole, we've watched her. I mean, I think she only won the conference four consecutive years. I don't think you can win it more than four consecutive years. Uh, but, I mean, but you won the conference. The team won the conference. Nicole Johnson individually won, and the O'Fallon Panthers won the team conference every year. Which says something about both. It says something about how good she is, and it says something about the depth and the strength of your program that despite the fact that Edwardsville had the best player for the last four years, arguably, or not arguably, she was the conference champion, Yes, that you were still able to pull off the conference championship. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, this, this year and last year was even tougher when, I mean, I don't know, I think she won by eight or ten strokes, maybe more uh, individually. I mean, I think she, I don't know how many tournaments she won this year, but it was a lot. But uh, she's impossible to hate. Because even though she's the best girl and you just, I'm sure when she graduated, you probably, you're probably going to give her the biggest graduation card of anybody. Nobody's going to be happier to see Nicole graduate than you. But, but she is so nice and she comes across as so genuinely humble that I'm sure you had to at least admire her throughout these four years. Oh, no. I mean, she worked incredibly hard. Uh, it was great watching her success because of how hard she worked. Uh, she was a great kid and she worked extremely hard. Uh, one of the post guys actually asked me if I was excited to see her leave because she was a senior, and I said no because then I'm losing all my seniors. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, but, no, I mean, uh, she's going to continue to get better. I mean, her work ethic is fantastic, uh, which is going to be fun to see. I like when, uh, you know, the 618 gets represented up at the state tournament, and to have her win at the state tournament is For awesome because, sure. you know, the northern schools are always like, you know, who are these people from the south? Even when our team has played well – and uh, made the cut at the state tournament. They're, you know, who is this team from the South? Uh, so it's fun for anybody from our area to go up there and play well, and it's awesome to watch her play well. And good conference representation with uh, O'Fallon and Edwardsville, both both having good years in the postseason. Um, let's talk about the Metro East Golf Academy, something that you founded to help promote youth golf in the St. Clair area. Talk about that a little bit. Uh, this year was our second year. Our first year we had, I think it was 310, 315 kids that attended something we had. Uh, last year it was just over 350 different kids who attended something uh, that we had. Uh, we've got spring clinics starting in April. Um, then we had three different weeks of summer camps. Uh, this year we added a parent-child scramble uh, that was right next to Father's Day. I didn't know how quickly that would take off, but we originally just had one tee time set for that or one shotgun start set for that. We ended up having to add a second shotgun start. We had, uh, I think, 72 parent-child teams out there, uh, which was awesome. Um, 72? 72. Played where? Uh, that's, we do everything at Yorktown Golf Course, which is in, uh, which is in Shiloh. Uh, it's great. It's a par-3 golf course. So when we have our camps and clinics, uh, we can get kids chipping every day. We have a chipping station, a putting station, a range station, and we get them all out on the golf course. Uh, we keep about a four to five or about a four and a half to one player to coach ratio. So everybody's getting a lot of individual attention. Um, we've got kids coming from 45 minutes or an hour away, uh, which I don't know how it's grown like that, but it's great to see kids from a lot of different areas coming in. Um, we've got coaches, uh, We've got people from Edwardsville helping out, O'Fallon, Bevel East, uh, Triad, Mascuda, 
So we've got a lot of area high school coaches and college coaches. Uh, last year, uh, Michael Guffey from McKendree wanted to come help, so he was at a lot of different events too. So uh, our coaching staff is growing and helping promote. So it's been a great thing for junior golf around the area. What a blueprint for any sport, but especially golf, to follow. Amazing. Good, good for you, and congratulations on the, on the, on the concept. I mean, it's – and you are developing not just O'Fallon kids, but like you said, you're involving all these other coaches from all these other schools. And another side benefit is you're a master golf teacher, and so you're working with these other coaches, and you're giving them tips, and you're also learning from them too. So you're not just training the kids, but you're also increasing the knowledge base of the coaches in the area. Yeah, I mean, we've got, I mean, we've got a great group of coaches in our area. Uh, we've got – a lot of coaches who are trying to develop their own kind of junior and younger programs that are help promoting the program that we're running to try to get the younger kids out there. And like I've always said and believed in, if you get younger kids out there in a group, I mean, for example, my son is nine, he's in fourth grade. If I try to take him out, he doesn't want to listen to a single thing that I have to say. But if I get him out there with four of his buddies, now all of a sudden he can listen to instruction from somebody else. Uh, Then he gets out on the golf course. He has fun. So I'm getting him golf and instruction, and now he's listening to somebody because, you know, I'm his dad, so dad doesn't know anything, but a lot of uh, these other people are doing a great job helping out. That's my advice. Get, let the other pros coach him. <laughs> that's honestly, that's the best thing you can do. Let him, let, and, and talk to them and tell them, take a look at his backswing, you know, tell me what you think, you know. So, like, you're still the architect of his game. You still know what's going on with his game, but... You don't have to get in there and get your hands dirty every day, so to speak. Where can people find out more about the Metro East Golf Academy? Uh, we've got MetroEastGolfAcademy.com. Uh, we're on Facebook at Metro East Golf Academy. We're on Twitter at Metro East Golf Academy. And our Instagram is at Metro East Golf Academy. Are you managing all that social media yourself? I am. I'm not as, I'm not as good at uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's a job. Yep. So... Kids love social media. I just, I think it's, I think it's work, man. All right. Well, two A, Mesby winner of the year, golf team of the year again, back to back. And to me, it's pretty obvious. You got the feeder programs. You're putting in the time. You're putting in the work. You're managing the kids. But I think you have some special gifts too in communicating with young people. What would you say are your strengths in talking to these kids and getting the most out of them? I think with the youngest kids, the number one thing you got to do is keep it fun for them. If the kids have fun, they're going to come back. Uh, you know, as a high school coach, you want to make sure that they're working hard and doing what you want to, them to do. But the same balance, you have to keep it fun for the high school kids. So, like for our hour-and-a-half camp, daily camps and clinics, we spend 20 minutes on the driving range, 20 minutes putting, 20 minutes chipping, then they're out on the golf course for 30 minutes. I, that's kind of like the candy that they get at the end. That That's what they want to do. They don't really want to chip, hit balls, uh, and putt. They want to get out on the golf course. So allowing them to work on their skills, then getting them out on the golf course, that's what they look forward to every day. But then you're trying to teach them to work on the skills that you've taught them for the last hour out on the golf course. Um, so, you know, I mean, the little kids, it's a lot of fun watching the first to fourth graders out there. Um, they can do a lot of fun things out there. I mean, some sometimes they just – They'll hit a shot and then, hey, coach, can we just sprint to the green? Well, they want to go run. So we let them, we give them their putter and we let them run. Uh, sometimes they get in more holes than anybody else because they want to burn a lot of the energy. But 
Meanwhile, previous, they've gotten a lot of instruction out there. Uh, even with the high school kids, I mean, if you don't keep it fun for them, they're going to leave. So, I mean, all we're, tr- we're trying to teach them to, to get better, and we're teaching them to get better, but, you know, making it as fun as possible for them along the way of all that. Todd Moeller, your AD, is retiring at the end of this year. Is that correct? I believe that's correct. You're going to miss him. Absolutely. What has he meant to the growth of your program? Uh, Todd will support you with anything that you want to do. Uh, he'll bounce ideas off of uh, you. Can bounce ideas off of him. He'll bounce ideas off of you. Uh, I mean, the greatest thing is that he'll support you and give you numerous ideas uh, for anything that you need help with. Um, he's not an avid golfer, so trying to go get golf advice from him is not really what you're looking for. Uh, but you know. Early in my coaching days, and even now, you get different situations that come up to, uh, where you need to bounce ideas off of him, and you know he'll free up his time any uh, any time that he has to help bounce ideas back and forth. I got to get him back on the show one more time before he uh, before he retires and heads off to greener pastures. He hasn't said anything about what he's going to do when he's when he's done at O'Fallon, has he? I'm not sure what he's going to do. Uh, I know he's got a lot of grandkids now, so he might be chasing those around. That'll uh, be fun for him. So, Chris Eddie Mespy winner. O'Fallon Panthers girls golf. Thanks so much for coming by. Congrats on all the success, both at the school and also with the Metro East Golf Academy and with your family. How many kids do you have? I got three now, two, six, and nine. So two, six, nine. And your wife never says, Chris, you got to slow down, man. We can't, you can't be doing all this golf stuff. You know, my wife always does a great job of giving me directions. I was the same way. You know, I've, you and I have had very similar career paths in terms of developing extra things and never once did my wife say, nope, you can't do that, you know, when, we, when our kids were young. So you got to have a great wife, I can, I can tell. She starts uh, coaching boys swimming at O'Fallon High School tonight. It's her 12th or 13th year. Wow. So. What's her name? Uh, Kim Eddie. So we get to switch those coaching gears. All right. We've got to have Kim on the show to talk about Panther swimming. There you go. Chris yeah. Eddie, thanks so much for coming by. Thank you for having me. appreciate it. John Huff in here from Gateway Sports Venue, and we are going to do a fall sports review in general of the Metro East with a lot of focus and emphasis on football because we've talked about a lot of the other sports here so far this fall. I've wrapped up a lot of soccer, a lot of tennis, some golf, but we haven't really hit football and we haven't taken a comprehensive look of, at what we think are the biggest stories. So I'm, I'm super stoked to have John Huff, one of the real legends, icons of local sports media right now. But before we get to John, everybody loves John and the Gateway Sports venue. But you know what everybody hates? Everybody hates waiting in line at the DMV. And now you don't have to. Go see the state-certified experts at Rosenthal License Service for all your licensing needs, including title work for cars, trucks, motorcycles, ATVs, boats, campers, RVs, and trailers. Located in Edwardsville in the Montclair Shopping Plaza, right across from the DMV, Rosenthal is a local family-owned business that has been serving the Metro East for more than 80 years with fast, friendly service. And they can help you if you need a money order or a notary public. So the next time you need to renew your your sticker, save time with a quick and easy visit to my friends at Rosenthal License Service or give them a call at 656-6163. Tell John and Francis I sent you. And tell Francis congratulations on Australia making it through pool play 
in the World Cup. Frances is an Aussie, and she was rooting for the Aussies naturally. So good for them and good for the USA. Right? Getting through there. You get that why you got the American flag on, John? I got it on there, baby. All right, good for you. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you very much. And uh, that legend is a strong word there. So I don't know. Kids talk about you in my class. They talk about your rankings. They'll, they'll say, did you see where Gateway put this team or that team or this player or that player? Oh, boy. You I love that. That's why you do it. I love to hear it. Thanks. Um, I, I bet there's some strong words followed by that stuff, too. I laugh. And I say, you know what? That's why he does it. I would intentionally. I told Jake Curry, I said, I'd put you 10 spots lower than you, than you should be just to get you excited about it. Players really they react to that stuff, so that would I'd probably be doing him a favor, or at least uh, you know the um, you know Coach Martin a favor at least because I think their their players will react to that and probably yeah. up their game a little bit. I think every coach loves to see his team ranked a little bit lower than he's supposed to, and it kind of because I know as a coach you can use it, but I think players <laughs> feel personally insulted sometimes, and I use Jake's name and 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 Jake's a great player he and is, yeah. Jake Curry is one of the players to watch, quarterback at Edwardsville, one of the premier players to watch next fall in the area. You agree with that? I totally do. He had a fantastic season. Um, I think he had like almost 30 touchdowns and limited amount of interception, I think five at most. So that's a great ratio, and he's playing against really good competition. So he is definitely, um, statistically, he was one of the top five best quarterbacks in the whole area, and um, he's definitely among the best coming back this year okay well let's not let's not get too focused on football yet because we want to talk about some other sports and I've covered golf pretty heavily on the show and I've talked a little bit about soccer so why don't we start with soccer soccer was a lot of fun yeah I started covering it this year and uh, I mean we already had a, like a lot of soccer fans who are well, student athletes who are starved for soccer content who play soccer obviously and uh even able to film some games, had some uh, really great ones that we shot, and uh, and we had soccer in the St. Louis area in general. Even on you know the six one eight area is really strong. Always um, has been, yeah, has been for fifty years. Uh, soccer in St. Louis uh, nationally has been a big deal, but the Metro East uh, especially has taken a lot of pride in that reputation. When you talk about Granite City and Collinsville. Um, Especially Gene Baker and the and the reputation that his that his teams and players and most recently you've got a sweep in the six one eight on the girls side in in state prominence so the six one eight doing a lot of things great in soccer throughout the state. Let's start with one A. The story of the year this year in one A soccer was the guests that I had on just last week, Coach Birdsong, and his star player Jake Pollock in one A getting to the finals. Uh, losing a, a tough game, but but they were the dominant team in 1A. Yeah, I mean, they were just a, a fun team to, to look after, and, I mean, they filled the stat sheet a lot and you know, had a ton of wins in the regular season, and they proved it. And, uh, you know, made, they, they proved it that they belonged in the playoffs and made a deep run, so it's uh, fantastic to see. And they're doing it year after year, and Coach Birdsong uh, doing a fantastic job, so that you got the mess be going there, obviously, to Altoff. 2A was also... Uh, another traditional team in the 618 that has built a, na- a state reputation for excellence, Triad High School. Yeah, I mean, they were a team I think we I started to rank very late on the in the ranking process since they're a technically large school. They have over 1,000 kids, and, uh, I mean, it's so competitive in the area. And, um, yeah, they had a great record, and, um, they again, they 
made it uh, to the super sectionals. super sectionals, and they lost to a Glenwood team who's they've I've heard them all the, like for over a decade. They're always up and in and around that area too. So, um, yeah, fortunately, it was a, a two to one. Unfortunately, game. yeah, unfortunately, it was a close game, two to one, and uh, just weren't quite able to do it. But I'm just happy to see them. They made it made it far. And then in three A, you had a very interesting season because you had Edwardsville finishing the farthest in the state playoff series, uh, getting to the super sectional final before losing to Romeoville uh, four to one. But you had them beating Collinsville and O'Fallon in the playoffs. And during the regular season, I believe they finished third in the conference. So three A was like, I mean, there were so many good teams and it's such a, the regular conference season is such a dogfight. And I feel like there are so many teams that can come out of that and be hot at the right time. Yeah, it just speaks about the depth that the Southwestern Conference has in soccer. Um, you know, Collinsville, they, they had got off to a great start to the season. And Edwards, you know, they're always going to be competitive. And O'Fallon, they started a little slow, but then they started to come on and had some really good wins. And I think they did beat Collins. I think they beat both Edwardsville and Collins. Yes, O'Fallon was strong. And Belleville East beat Edwardsville, I think, three to nothing during mm. the regular season. So you got to throw Belleville East in there, too, right, as, yeah. as, a very good season, as a very good team. And the Edwardsville kids and the Edwardsville program, I think at one time, those they were kind of shaking their heads because we had Colin McGinnis on the show and Tyler Dacus on the show, and they said, you know, we definitely had a turnaround in our season. So I think what made soccer special in three A was the parody. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, you love parody. It's 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 fun. I like, you know, just as a person who's covering all these teams, it's it's like it's nice to get all that chaos in there and just to see who, who comes out. And it was Edwardsville, and I mean, I've seen there's been years before where Edwardsville's had some amazing teams where you think like, well, this is their this is theirs to lose, but then you see like a Collinsville just come out of nowhere and you know beat them in a really close game, or you know it's happened before a lot. So this time it was Edwardsville's turn. Anything can happen in soccer. Who yeah, was it? That, who it was really it that can. just beat beat France yesterday? Uh, I think was it today Tunisia. Tunisia I th- takes a, care of France. Come on, how does that happen? Well, I think that was a little different because I know France had. I'm, I'm a huge World Cup. I, I love the World Cup. I'm a huge soccer fan. Oh, that that was a little different because France had six points. They didn't. They had, they they had were, two wins. They were through. They didn't. They had nothing to play for, and they were through. I'm pretty sure they were arresting some people, so that probably played a part. Yeah, you're right. Okay, so soccer done. Let's, let's 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 put a cap on soccer. Which of those teams would you would be your team of the year of all three all three teams? Edwardsville and three A, two A Triad, one A Altoff. Well, what's I, the story in soccer? I don't know. Like, cause it, I think it you need to know like how each season started for each team. Like, when what was the context? How were they? What were the expectations going into the season? You know, which team overachieved or not? I think a lot of ex- – I do know a lot was expected out of Altoff because they had a ton of guys come back from – they won 20 games the year before. and they, I think they only had like four seniors the year before, so they brought about just about everybody. So I think them reaching the Final Four was pretty expected. Um, I don't know about Triad at a lot. I, I don't know what was expected out of them. I think maybe you got to give it to Edwardsville. I don't know. I'm not – I, I am not the guy, the number one trusted source on this, believe me, but I think – I don't know. Maybe you could give it to Altoff too, because I mean they they lived up to their expectations, so. and they got to the final. They got farther than anybody. They did. Else. They did. Okay. Let's switch to volleyball. You didn't pay much attention to volleyball this year. No, that's not my forte. Well, I'm going to tell you, Jabot in one A regional finalist. Number two, in two A, Freeburg got third place, and I'll tell you what's amazing about that. That's great. They beat Modern Day 
in the round before that. I heard about that, actually. I heard Modern Day had this amazing team, and then Freeburg just kind of upset them. Modern Day is the powerhouse in the Metro East for small school volleyball. Modern Day at 2A beat Edwardsville this year. That's saying something. I think six state championships. So year in, year after year, Modern Day sets the standard for volleyball in the area for a lot of schools, and for, for big schools and small schools. For Freeburg to knock them off and finish third place, that's a big story. In 3A, Mascuda, sectional finalists. Mascuda, really across the board, is one of the stories for this year. They've picked it up across the board in terms of facilities and performance. We're going to talk about them a little bit more later in football. And then in 4A, the story was O'Fallon High School, super sectional losers to Bennett Academy. They got the farthest. They dominated the area for the big schools, and the Panthers were the story this year. It's good for them. Last year, the Tigers were the story. They qualified for state, graduated a bunch of kids, and it was nice to see O'Fallon get their turn. So that was volleyball in a nutshell. A little quick through volleyball. And before we get to football, if you're looking to buy or sell, a, or sell a home in the Metro East on the Illinois or Missouri side, please give our partners at Keller Williams Marquis Jeb and Ginger Blasting Game the chance to serve you. They have offices in Waterloo, O'Fallon, and Edwardsville with more than 130 agents. The Blasting Games are a family-owned business that has helped over 5,000 families find just the right home. The Lipes are one of those families. Jeb and Ginger sold our house quickly because they're experts at staging and pricing, and they helped us find the perfect home, and they can do the same for you. No wonder they're ranked in the top 10 real estate teams in North America. Give Jeb and Ginger Blasting Game a call at 618-578-9276 or check them out online at blastinggamegroup.com. You will not be disappointed. Okay. We could talk about golf. Pass. Uh, I th- golf is my story of the year. If, if okay. I'm gonna, if I'm gonna pick an individual story, like one person story, Nicole Johnson of Edwardsville, Edwardsville's first state champion in girls golf, is my story individual story of the fall. That's that's great. Did you know that on hole number seventeen, with a two stroke lead on a par three? She literally exploded the hole. So you're saying this hole in one? It would it she hit the ball directly into the cup. It exploded the hole, shattered the plastic piece inside the cup, left her with like a six inch tap in birdie. Oh. And they had to move. They had to like move the hole and, and recut another hole because she just exploded it. It's like when Roy Hobbs hits a home run in the natural. With a two-stroke lead, she is money. And she brings it home like Gracie Pyer did last year from Marquette to see Nicole Johnson do what she did. She just dominated start to finish and, and, and closes it out from there. So she is my individual story. Well, that's, that, that's, not, that's so clutch to do that, and that's, that's amazing. I, I, could, I could never have that accuracy. I, I'm a terrible golfer, and I, it's, it's, I don't think golf is that boring. I, just, I was kind of joking right there, but uh, 
that's it's it's really cool that people talk about golf and that you're into it too because they, well, they, they really do not get a whole lot of coverage. I don't really like golf to be honest with you. Okay, I don't. Then. I hate playing it, and I and I I quit. I retired. I'm terrible at it. And I I retired, and that's what I needed to do. But what I think is what I think is amazing is with the money on the table, the girl was amazing because so many times you know with a two stroke lead going into your last two holes, you might be thinking. You know, just kind of jittery, and you're fighting yourself, and you duff one, and then you limp through, and you barely win the tournament. But no, she literally lasered it into the cup with two holes to go, and it just, it's just, I'm just, I'm just blown away by that. But let's talk about football. All right. Let's start with the small schools. 1A and Madison and Dupo were the only two state qualifiers locally, and what do you want to say about them? Well, and I think it's always commendable to, you know, make to the playoffs. Um, I, I really I don't know much about Dupo, but I think this was the first time in a little while that they had gotten to the playoffs, so that's that's great for them, you know, something to build on. And, you know, for Madison, uh, I covered them a little bit in 2017, and um, a lot of the – they don't really get the credit they deserve because a lot of people think, well, they played a pretty easy schedule, so no wonder they what? qualified. They played Granite City, which is a school five times their size. That's, that's, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like people and people look at Granite City like, well, they're not so good. They went two and seven. But, well, you know, you got to look at, you know, that they're a much bigger school than Madison. And Madison, right. they don't have, like, you know, the best facilities okay, and a but, lot of but, – but, yes. A huge upgrade for Madison. Right. So them qualifying for state. At the same time that they've got a brand new track and a brand new field, great for Madison. Happy for Madison. Oh, that's 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 amazing, right? You know, but you know, for them just to make it to the play- playoffs is just is awesome. Yep. And it, we don't have a lot of one, you know, one eight schools around here because, that, and that's what happens when you're in a big metropolitan area. Um, you don't have school districts that are really small like that. So, so who are you giving the SB to, Madison or Dupo? I gotta say Madison. Okay, two A. There's only one team from the from the Metro East that really stood out this year. That's an easy mess beat to give for 2A. Your pick is? The All-Tough Crusaders. And so for them to win the mess beat for soccer and football as such a small school, you got to give them some respect for that. Yeah. Um, you know, for the, their football team, I think, was, I think, probably the biggest surprise story out of any school in the whole area, including on the St. Louis side, just because nobody talked about them at all in preseason and nobody was talking about them going into the postseason. It was just kind of like, whoa, oh, I guess Altoff has five wins. Okay, good for them. And you look at their schedule and it's like they didn't really have any great, particularly great victories, but they did beat Modern Day. That was actually the, the big shock. They beat Modern Day. And then, um, you know, beating Marion, who ended up being a, a Class 5 playoff team, uh, was a really good victory. And then and they shocked everybody in the state by, I mean, they were, Altoff was a 14 seed, and they beat a 3 seed, Shelbyville. And they were even beating them by three touchdowns at one point and were able to hold on. And they beat another local team, Redbud, and um, got to the quarterfinals and gave Johnson City a good game, but ultimately fell by two uh, by 10 points. And Johnson City is a strong team, but Johnson Johnson City loses in the semifinal to eventual state champion St. Teresa. Yeah, and, and Altoff played St. Teresa in week two, and they did lose by a lot, but they, it was I, I bet that was really good for their – just to see a really good team up close and play them, and I, I'm pretty sure that helped them along the way uh, ultimately. Okay. We're going to move up to 3A. Roxana, second-round loss to Prairie Central, the number one seed. In the second round, forty-one to twenty, a great year for Wade DeVries. 
That was. I mean, they, I don't think, again, you know, that's Roxanne's not really a program a lot of people think about when it comes to football, but they uh, made, proved a lot of people wrong and uh, got a really good victory in the first round. That's a team that loves to run the football and will just, you know, three yards in the cloud of dust, that type of team. And they were able to play very physically and able to, you know, get to the second round and play against a really good team and um, gave them a good game, too. Are you which team is the team that likes to run the ball, Hillsboro or Roxanne? I know Roxanne loves to run the ball. They play that that single that that yeah. T wing that single wing uh, offense backfield. So they they play like old school smash mouth football. Thirteen to seven in the first round against Hillsboro. No surprise there. Yeah, both teams like to play that way, <laughs> and that's that's the typical result you'll get in the playoffs. Getting to the larger schools, moving up to number four A. Who's your pick there? What do you want to say? Um, I, I you had Breeze Central and right. Waterloo. I mean, both teams had great seasons. I think, and both lose in the second round. Yeah, I I got to give it to Waterloo. Waterloo. Okay, you got to. I mean, they almost had the upset of the century against SHG Sacred Heart Griffin. I was at that game. I was so happy I was there. I picked SHG to win my picks, but I immediately like after. Like very shortly. I mean, I wanted Waterloo to win, but I was like just praying they would win that game. So by one score, twenty eight sixteen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and they were winning for the majority of that game too. It's not one score, two two, two scores, scores. Yeah, two scores. Was, right. I, I remember. I actually watched the we watched the game. Um, highlights that I filmed and SHG. They had a play that where they had an open receiver downfield would have gotten them into the goal um, right right next to the end zone, but it was just a little bit overthrown and set up a fourth down. And like if he catches that ball. I think SHG probably blows out Waterloo, but he didn't, and then that just set the state scenario for just a bunch of ground and pound football. And Waterloo played amazing defense; it was just a sight to behold, and their crowd was amazing. And uh, it was just SHG, you know, they, they're state champions, and it would have been just an unbelievable win just to send. I mean, with all I say this with all due respect to SHG, I mean, it just would have been crazy for a Waterloo to, you know, re- retired, you know, Ken Leonard, who's the greatest one of the greatest coaches of all time in Illinois history, but it just would have been like a privilege and an honor for them to that. Like that's, that's the team that would have beaten SHG and just to be, you know, crumble that empire a little bit, but credit to SHG, you know, they found a way to win. And uh, you know, that's what all great teams do. My opinion, Waterloo was under seeded. Probably, you know, you get, you get big time. And, and, and here's why all year long, they're playing five, a schools. Hmm. And they're finishing three and three in that conference. They're finishing three and three in the conference with Mascuda, Triad, Highland, all teams which had success in 5A. Mm. So their record reflected playing a 5A schedule, but they're playing in 4A. Yeah. So they seeded them based on their schedule. So they were underseeded. And the fact that they lost by 12 points to SHG, yes, it's surprising, mm-hmm. but it's not as shocking as it is, as you think it is when you look at it a little bit closer. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, um, yeah, the Mississippi Valley Conference is primarily a 5A conference when it comes to football. Yes. And and then you also, you know, Waterloo had a really good early season victory over modern day. Um, so that kind of turned some heads a little bit and thinking, oh, I guess but Waterloo's for real. And they had a, you know, Evan Davis was a tremendous running back. And they, and they had their quarterback, I think, was a three-year starter, too. So they had a lot of veterans on, on that team, too. And, um you know, they were a lot very underrated physically. And then, the, you know, I think they gave a big warning sign the game before they scored over. I think they scored 72 points. And I forget who they played, but in the previous game and just 
blew out their team, and um, yeah, they were, they were able to get a home game, and it felt, it was, felt like a carnival atmosphere there. I agree. Uh, they they did. They scored, I think, 76, 76 points in their in their first round. Let me look that up. I want to. I want to get it right for sure. And that's hard to do. I mean, you're a run team, and I mean that's a lot of time. You know, a lot of time off the clock, and uh, it's hard to, when you just pretty much run the ball. It's hard to score seventy six points. Yeah, it's 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 crazy what what they were what they were able to do. And talk about the crowd that was there. You you said that you were there. Talk about the atmosphere. Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, that's what you get with small town football. Um, they just I don't know. I'm not saying it just matters a little bit more in that community. And the whole community was out there, and you know they re, the fans realized this just doesn't happen very often. I mean, it was actually. They were coming off of their first that seventy six point. Um, yeah, seventy six twenty eight against it, Olney. Yeah, it was. I heard it was the their first playoff victory since nineteen ninety three. Wow, maybe ninety four. I heard two different variations of it, but still, um, that's a long time ago. And so their their community realized it was a big game, and I'm sure a lot of people wanted to see them beat SHG just because oh, it's yeah. a, just because it's SHG. You know, I mean, of course. That, that, that's cool. I mean, that, like, the SHGs in the Rochester of the world have just dominated 618 area football in the playoffs. So. Well, those aren't those schools are not in the 618. They're in the 217. That's, they're middle Illinois, so they're not they're not really – we don't consider them Metro East. That's and right, yeah. shout out also to East Alton Wood River, to Wood River High School uh, for qualifying for state. They had a fantastic year this year, mm-hmm. um, losing qualifying for state, losing in the first round. Uh, we had their coach and their uh, one of their star players – uh, Sladen. Sladen, they're great. Seth Sladen, great running back, and so congratulations to them um, on an outstanding year. And then getting up to the big guys, looking at number five A, I think your Mespi goes to the Mascuda Indians, of course. Uh, Mascuda, two playoff wins, a one point, incredible first round playoff win. Um, then they beat Highland High School in the second round. Then they wind up losing to Peoria in the quarterfinals. Eight and four on the year, and they lost their last game, which I'm going to dub the Snow Bowl. It was, it was a Snow Bowl. Um, well, I think you got to give a ton of credit to all the volunteers and the, just the people, you know, organizing all the people to get the snow off the field. You know, hours before the game, or early in the morning. I, I read, I read the tweet about that, and so they made it a, a you know, an easily playable field. But yeah, a bunch of snow on the sidelines. Kudos know. to. Athletic director Scott Battis, first uh, guest we ever had on the Metro Esports podcast, who put out the call early in the morning. And here's what's here's what happened: there was a snowstorm that put a foot of snow on the ground, half a foot of snow, six inches. I yeah, like a substantial amount of snow on the ground in St. Clair County, in places in St. Clair County, and at my house in Maryville, in Madison County. Not a flake, yeah. maybe a couple flurries, but just you know, 25, 20 minutes south of my home, they were dumped on, and I think it was somewhat of a surprise. And so, Mister Battis puts out the call to the Mascuta community: "Come help us clear this snow <laughs> from the field and from the bleachers." And these people showed up in droves and did it. Yeah, that just tells you that the the they're. they're their community cares, and they're willing to do whatever. And yeah, you mentioned Scott. You know he, and they clearly respect him and trust him, and will do anything at the drop of the hat for you know that school and that and I and that especially the football team because they've really they really captured the you know the the community after especially beating Highland, which is crazy. I mean that was a team who lost fifty six nothing to Highland. Who I'll admit I, I thought that Highland team could have 
could have won a state championship this year. And really, I really thought so. Yeah, I mean, they they only lost Edwardsville by three. And talking to the Edwardsville players, I mean, they they really thought Highland was really good too. You know, they didn't say anything. You know, like oh well, we didn't we played a bad game. They're like, no, that that's a that's a legit Highland team right there. So just that, that what the Mascuda coaching staff did, what Aaron Hilgendorf did, he they had a master game plan, putting Allen Middleton as their running back and just giving their best player the ball most of the time, and it. it that was a thrilling game, one of the best games all season, the whole area, and yeah. And then you were there. I was not. Well, I was filming the I was filming the Edwardsville Loyal Academy game, so I could then film the Waterloo SHE game. I wanted to, you know to get two games instead of one. So I I don't really regret it. I mean, that Waterloo game was a lot of fun. That's cool. All right. Well, before we get to a six A, seven A, and eight A, thanks to partner Cassins. Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, the number one place to purchase a vehicle in the Metro East. If you're in the market for a new or a pre-owned car, check out Casson's Inventory in person where they've been for 25 years or online at Casson's.com. Casson's has earned the highest ratings for customer service. Their expert staff is committed to making your car buying experience enjoyable, including convenient on-site financing. I've purchased four vehicles there, and I will not buy a car anyplace else or a truck, or a minivan. With over 80 years of experience in the Metro East, Cassens is the clear-cut leader for quality, service, and customer satisfaction. Go see Steve, Cliff, Holly, Greg, Mike, or Trent today. Tell them I sent you. All right. 6A. Who's good? Anybody? Anybody locally good in 6A? <laughs> uh, the team that has uh, three 6'6 six, six, uh, offensive linemen. That are, they're pretty good. Yeah, the, yeah, the Flyers were uh, they're amazing. Amazing at six A and and their uh, coin toss from their state final <laughs> in which they won fifty five to seven. Fifty seven seven. Fifty seven seven blew out the competition except for their semifinal. Yeah, that was a that was a really interesting game. Yeah, they they, they played Lamont up in Lamont up in the Chicago area and it would that was a snowball by the way that that was there was a lot of snow on the field and. I wouldn't be surprised if the people in charge of that game maybe left it snowy. Left it snowy. Have you heard that? Have you heard a report to that effect? No, I haven't. I'm just but there was a lot. There was a significant amount of snow on the field. Yeah, there was. I, I don't know. I'm just speculating, but I, I wouldn't have been surprised if there was some gamesmanship going on in there. I mean, that's. I mean, it's legal. I mean, you can do. You don't have to. You know, clear the snow off. It's not a rule, but uh, I don't know if it worked. I mean, it it might have played a role, but. Uh, you know, that was an amazing game right there. And, you know, Ryan Martin from East St. Louis had, I think, like 300 rushing yards in the game. And um, it was a heck of a game. And East St. Louis, East St. Louis needed to get a – needed to convert a fourth and three to win the game at midfield, and they did that. So To beat uh, Lamont, the number one seed. And Lamont goes into the playoffs at 9-0. Nine and, nine and oh, Right. And Eastside goes into the playoffs, obviously – at seven and two, a very competitive seven and two. Yeah, with two losses, like they lost one one game in California and one game in Florida. Well, uh, they played the first game they played was to uh, Saint. I want to say Saint Francis from Baltimore. I don't, I could get the name wrong, but that was the number for a while. That team was the number three team in the nation, and East St. Louis they were beating them in the fourth quarter, and they ended up losing twenty to thirteen. So, I mean, if you can hold the number three team in the country to 20 points, uh, you're pretty darn good. And then they lost to this other team, I think, from Georgia in a low score. I think 10 to 8, I want to say. A really close game. So, 
Um, yeah, but the fact that they just absolutely bulldozed CBC 64 to 19, who ended up CBC being the class six state champions in Missouri. So they, they beat the best team in Missouri. They put over, they, they scored 64 points in the best team in Missouri. They so, stomped them. Yeah, they did. Okay. So these are the questions I have for you. Question number one, why is East St. Louis a number six seed in the six a football playoff tournament because it's the so as the seeding goes they base it off of the number one criteria is your record so if you're nine and oh you're going to be among the top seeds and then the tiebreaker is the amount of opponent victories you have so the team with the best record like you know nine and oh or whatever and they have the most up, um, opponent victories then they're the one seed and it just goes down from there and uh, that's why st louis is a six seed what do you think about that john i like it um you know I mean, you can't, other than that, like, if you just go by rankings, like, it's just subjective then. So you got to find a, you got to find a, you know, a statistical factor, a fa fact way of, you know, ranking those teams. And You couldn't form like a committee that ranks these teams based on their skill level, you, like in college football? You could, but I think I would just, I don't know if they have the resources to do that. And again, like, it's subjective, so... I, I like the way how Misha does it. I mean, I said Misha. I, I like the way IHSA. How IHSA says it. Um, I don't really like the way Misha does it since there are – they do districts, and there's some really good teams every year who bump heads and early on in the playoffs and districts and end up, you know, one of them loses. So Yeah, that's a that's a poor system. Yeah, cause, but in the IHSA, you don't, you don't usually get that uh, unless you might get a 7-2 and two and a 6-3 and three team who are both really competitive and just had really competitive schedules. You might get that, but still it's – it makes sense. It, it happens. It's not perfect. It's not perfect, but you could seed these teams. Yeah, you could. Based on, because I'll, as a member of the state seeding committee for tennis, if some girl, you know, maybe 31 and zero, but she hasn't played anybody. Mm -hmm. And you may have another girl that's 24 and six, but all of her losses are to, you know, great players. And you know that this girl, in some cases, is better, even though she's got six losses. As a committee, you can seat her above the girl who's undefeated. Yeah, I guess maybe I don't know, but this is you could form like a, a you know, in a strength of schedule type of thing. I guess if that could kick in, maybe you could generate that into the form into some kind of formula. I think if you looked at local, if you looked at scores within the state, and said, look, head to head is is how we're going to seed this thing. So if you beat this team from another geographic area in your non-conference schedule then that can work to your advantage in terms of seeding that would make things more fair and that would also incentivize teams in their non-conference schedule to play teams in their state for the purpose of seeding which coach some coaches may love and some coaches may hate mm -hmm. but if you know that playing st charles east could help you in the long run in terms of state seeding and you then schedule them during the year why not? Yeah, I'd like to see that. I mean, I'd like to see, you know, um, teams from, you know, completely different parts of the state schedule each other once a game. I don't know how you do that, but it's hard to because, you know. I mean, Belleville East plays, played Manuka. You know, we get we get a fair right. amount of that. We, there there is, there is some of that. But when you look at Edwardsville, at least two of their non-conference games were in Missouri. Mm -hmm. And yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying maybe if – if scores within the season, within the state, mattered more, then maybe Matt Martin was scheduled differently. I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm wondering out loud here. Okay, so I said I had two questions. That's the first question. Here's the second question. Why was East St. Louis in 6A? Well, I think 
I heard that like they, I think their enrollment is initially for five A, but they petitioned to go up a class. Wow. I think so. They so the IHSA would have put them in five A. Yeah. But, but East St. Louis asked to be put into six A. Right, and I I like that. I mean, they they really should be in eight A. <laughs> That's my question. Well, I mean, they have the talent. I mean, they're they've won state. I think it was 2016 and 17 in seven A. I think you might be right. I'm not sure. Um, but well, I. I, I know in two, 2019 they did they won in 6A and they did they didn't win state in 2017 it was 2000 you're right in 2016 um but I'm not saying they should go to 8A but I'm just saying like they just that's how good they are so they could easily um belong easily. they easily belong there in class in class 8 cuz I, I really I mean it would be so cool if they could play a Lincoln Way East or a Loyola Academy cuz I think those those three teams are easily the three best in in Illinois and 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 uh, Mount Carmel those those four teams clearly if it's clear to you that East St. Louis would compete well, if not dominate and win in 7A and or 8A, why is it not clear to the IHSA or, or why doesn't that happen? I mean, because, I mean, if East St. Louis asked to go from 5A to 6A, could they ask to go from 5A to 7A? And if you win state two out of the last three years in 6A, Where's the logic in in returning you to six A? Well, I, I'm not I'm not so sure about that. I think you just stay there because that's just where your enrollment is. Um, I know for a long time in Missouri, Web City completely dominated. Like from like 2000 to up until this year, they I think had won like 10 state championships, and they were always in class four. And they finally moved up to class five just because that's their enrollment was there. So I think that's just I think this, it's as simple as that. But um, it'd be just it'd be cool just from a you know, formality perspective or just, you know, just see the best, uh, you know, when you know you're the best, it'd just be cool to see if you can beat the best. So at some point, the size of your school is not the predominant factor for producing excellence in your sport. For example, you could have a school of 10 kids who are all really good basketball players. Yeah. I mean, like, especially if you're a private school or a school of, of 20 kids and easily win state in tennis golf you know it's just not that i mean the number of kids that you have especially if you're a private school and you can recruit kids and there's no boundaries for your school you know to me it should be more about what is your success what are your records at that the size of your school isn't i don't know at some point you have to look at the results yeah they do well sorry sorry but there's a multi i know that there's a multiplier but but it's right Look at what's happening. I mean, is it is it is it is it where you'd want to be if you were East St. Louis? I would want to play the biggest, best schools I could. I bet they do want to, you know, play, you know, move up just because, you know, eventually it's a little boring when you just keep winning all the time in the same level. So does it knowing does that, it get boring winning the state final fifty seven to seven? I don't know. Well, I, maybe I don't know, but uh, that's if 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 I was a, a fan of a team that you know. Maybe one every year like that, I wouldn't be so bored. But I don't know. I just, I just like to see the you know best teams play each other. But, but that's you know, because I'm sure, you're I'm sure they're happy where they are, you know where they are, what they're doing right now. Because, but you're not a fan, and you're not in the program. If you're in the program, where do you want to be? Do you want to, you know? I think human nature is an interesting thing, and I think people, I think a lot of people, not necessarily in the case of East St. Louis, but I think a lot of people would rather win. Yeah. And then test themselves against the best. Yeah, you're right. You know, that's a thing. But we've seen, you know, East St. Louis the last couple of years, have, they have 
gone out of their way to play against the, the best teams. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. Played, you know, St. John Bosco, the IMG, and then this year against you know the you know the teams in the early part of the season they played against. One hundred percent. East St. Louis plays the toughest, best competition they can find. Yeah. All year long, until the state playoff. Well, it's just the you know hand they're given. Well, yep. Agreed. One hundred percent. And congratulations to the Flyers on having another awesome year. Congratulations to Coach Sunkett mm-hmm. and the Flyers for completely dominating. And uh, congratulations to their players and families. And best of luck to all those young men. Um, I know a bunch of them have already signed. Who's the cream of the crop on that team? Oh, it's got to be Miles McVay. I mean, Alabama commit, 6'7". I mean, great kid, too. Um, I've interviewed him before. Really bright guy. And, uh, you know, he's just – he's kind of sticks. I mean, he's, your offensive tackle, you're 6'7" at least 350 pounds and I could still be underselling. I mean, that dude is a mammoth uh, human being. And so. he's, but he's, but he's also quick. Yeah. He's he not is. just, he's not just big and slow. He's but a big athletic, quick, like you said, great kid, smart kid. Roll tide. Yeah. He's, he's really athletic for his size. And they got, you know, a couple other guys, you know, Paris Patterson and, um, you know, Brandon Henderson. Those are, those guys are all going to power five D one schools. So, um, and they got some other big kids coming up too. So I think they've got. I thought that I read eight kids going to uh, Power Five D one schools, including their entire offensive line. Just about, yeah. Um, that's what's. I mean, that's that's what got it done for them. Their offensive line. Um, it's it all. It starts all up there. So, and you know, winning the state this year. I mean, that was huge because you know they had that. You know, I'm sure they were absolutely devastated losing last year. Right. Um, and they were able to, you know, pick themselves up, work really hard, and um, get it done, and, and do it very convincingly, too. Before we get to 7A and 8A baseball, I got to talk about a guy that saves my family money every month. Andy Callaway of Callaway Home Loans saves us money every single month. How? He refinanced my existing mortgage, and he can do the same for you. Rates are all over the place, but you need to take advantage of an easy, fast, and affordable way to refinance. They do conventional FHA and VA loans and ask for the MESP special. If you refinance with Andy, he'll donate 100 bucks to the Metro East High School or Junior High team of your choice. He'll give $100 to East St. Louis football. He'll give $100 to Mascuda Cheer. He'll give $100 to Collinsville Soccer. It is your choice. Just give Andy a call today at 618 618- Eight three zero three 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 two. Save money and support your favorite team in the Metro East. Seven A. John Huff of Gateway <laughs> Sports Venue. What's the story? Seven A. Who was in Seven A? Oh, Collinsville. Yeah, Collinsville. They were there. Come on, man! Don't forget the chaos. I, I didn't forget about them. And hey, I couldn't forget about them because they got their first ever playoff win. Correct. Yep. The Mesby goes to the Chaos. Nine and two after a first round playoff win, as you mentioned, their first ever playoff win. Coach Colton Rhodes, dude's a bundle of energy. He's got lots of innovative ideas. Jerry Richardson uh, running the ball. He's a powerhouse. They had one of the best players in the area in Jerry. And Purple Nation is buzzing over this team, man. Yeah, it was great. I mean, they, and they got a really good thing going right now. You know, they, uh, I think they won eight games last year. They went eight and two and. You know, lost in the first round last year, so you know they really wanted to come back and get it done, and and that, that that was awesome. It wasn't. It just proved the year before it wasn't like oh they had their one good year, but like it wasn't a flash in the pan team. Like they they proved that they came back and they are that good, and hopefully they are that good going forward. And they, I, 
don't have it on me right now. I forgot who they beat, but they they they, they beat a good team in, uh, in the first round game. So and then they also beat a, a pretty good Centralia team in the regular season. Like Jerry Richardson had that amazing um, touchdown catch in overtime to win the game. So that was uh, that was that was great. Another great player on that team, Colby Anderson, is a fantastic. Col- yeah, player. yeah, he was. Yeah, fantastic player. And Collinsville, you know, pe- some people have given him grief when they got out of the Southwestern Conference in football. But it has worked out well for them. It saved them. Because they were in a situation similar to Waterloo where everybody in their conference in the playoffs plays at in a bigger school level, you know, with the exception of East St. Louis, which played in 6A. But in the, in the Southwestern Conference, you have O'Fallon and Edwardsville, which were right there, obviously, behind just slightly behind East St. Louis having very competitive games with East St. Louis then you got Collinsville stuck there and they weren't qualifying for the playoffs ever until coach Rhodes does his thing there and kudos to them and they're having a lot of success yeah um I mean it's, it's really hard to get a program you know going with all the you know the culture going when you just lose a bunch of games and the SWC is a gauntlet every year and it will be going forward too I mean especially at the emergence of Belleville East. It seems like they're back, too. So that's like four solid teams in there. Um, yeah, but, you know, Conzo, they got out, and um, they, I think they're in, they're independent, right? I don't think they're in. Um, Correct. Yeah. So they were able to just eventually just find ways to win, and that's ultimately what gets people going. You know, people would want, want to go out to the, you know for the team just because they know there there's wins coming, and – here you go. That's 17 wins in two years now. It'll be interesting to see next year. I know he's graduating a lot of talent, but like you said, he's changed the culture there. He's got a leadership style and philosophy in place, and the players are responding to it. He's comfortable with what he's doing. The town is rallying behind him, and the soccer team was good this year too. So Yeah, and so, I forgot about Yeah, I've just yeah, realized. Yeah, you know, kudos to Collinsville. Okay, getting to the biggest category and here we got a lot to talk about. Oh, yeah. 8A, the two big dogs in 8A locally were O'Fallon and Edwardsville. And their two games. Oh, classics. Yes, instant classics. Both of them. And the first one, O'Fallon wins dramatically. Yeah, yeah I was I was able to cover both the games. Yeah, the first one. I'm sure Edwardsville will definitely wanted that one back because they were winning. They think they had a, yeah they had a 14 point lead in the fourth quarter, midway to go in the fourth quarter, and O'Fallon. I don't know if their their offense just figured something out or they're also wearing down Edwardsville's defense. But uh, yeah, Colt Michael and that offense they they came alive in that one. Jalen Smith had a couple of touchdowns and scored in a two point conversion on a genius play call, and they were able to hold on the win for the first one. What was the play call? It was just a simple. It looked like Colt was, um, you know, running one way, and then um, Chris Caldwell, their running back, uh, was lined up to the side, and he just kind of went the other way where nobody else was, and uh, he was wide open uh, on the other side of the end zone for a touchdown. And the two teams meet again in the playoffs in the first round, as as luck would have it. Yeah. And this is the game that I have dubbed Downgate. Oh. Yeah, it's uh, describe what happened at the end of that game. So it was an amazing game. It comes down to the final drive where um, O'Fallon moved the ball. They're moving the ball, um, and they get to the 17 yard line to, of Edwardsville, and 
they only were given three plays. Um, I think there was um, some kind of a a miscount with the the on field down marker where it was first down, and then I guess all of a sudden it was third down um, um, on the second play, and then on third play they had fourth down, and uh, as a result they run a basic you know, like swing pass or out route to the running back, and he's tackled, I think, just at the line of scrimmage. And it was not – it was clearly not a fourth down type of play because that was awfully risky to run that. But nobody thought it was third down on that play. Apparently everybody thought that it was fourth down well, on the field at the time, that the only people I have heard who knew that it was not actually fourth down were up in the press box. Okay. Well, I that heard – Go ahead. Yeah, sorry. I heard different. So I heard the – I think the players might have known in the field, at least the line, offensive line knew, but the I'm told the O'Fallon coaches did not know it was fourth down. And it makes sense because the, the play they ran just kind of made no sense for a fourth down type of play. Like you'd think like, okay, we got to get five yards here. They're going to go – we got to go vertically instead of let's just, you know, let's go horizontally here. So that's just that's, – that's what I heard. We n- we'll never if, know if they if they would have scored. Yes, we'll never know that. But if you would have known that it was fourth down, if you would have known that it was third down, if they had fourth down on the on the box on the on the yeah. on the yard marker, yeah, yeah, because that's wouldn't where, that's you where go, it matters. Wouldn't you go out on the field and correct them if you knew that it was? Yeah, I've, I don't know. I mean, it, it's look. I've never coached football. Or maybe you just didn't notice it. Maybe you thought it was third down, but you didn't look at the at the down marker on the field. Right. And what I mean, did the what did the scoreboard say? The, the scoreboard had fourth. Okay. Yeah, because I, I was like, "Whoa!" when that happened, and uh, so you thought it was third down. I thought, yeah, my at first, but then I'm like, "Well, I guess the, the no." I, okay, sorry, I said that the scoreboard had third three, and then the down marker had four. So I I'm no like, kidding. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I'm like, "Well, I guess it is fourth down because I could miss something," you know. Because I usually I, I, I trust the officials. You know, I, I'm not a guy who's like a conspiracy theorist when it comes to officiating. Usually, yeah, no, I trust the officials. But I, too. I, I think I, it was an honest mistake. Because at first it was, and um, apparently I heard the officials did apologize to O'Fallon after oh, that. Man. Yeah, but so it stinks for everybody, and I feel yeah. bad for the officials, and I feel bad. For, I feel terrible for the O'Fallon kids. It's true, and that is a good officiating crew, by the way. Of course, I mean I've seen at least I've seen the head um, official before, and he's always refereed good games, and so it just you know it's Nightmare unfortunate happens. Yeah, right, um, and like you know I don't know what the found coaches could have done like do you call time do you burn a time yeah just just to say like hey look that should be that should be third well if you go out on the field and you're right they're not going to charge you for a timeout well they're gonna they're gonna correct it even if they give you a tech i mean if if they give you a a flag you know what i mean if they give you unsportsmanlike if you're right i don't know man i don't know who who knows who knows but great team they were found edwardsville great team two amazing games so, you got to say how clutch Edwardsville was because uh, on that ensuing drive, you know, O'Fallon again made it looked like it was going to be the same story because they were down, they were down fifteen points and rallied to score sixteen. So they converted on two, they scored two touchdowns and they converted on two two point conversions to take the lead, and then on two play, you know, on the first play of the ensuing drive, Jay Curry throws a dime to uh, Joey Damari. Goes that he, he would have scored, but he went down at the intentionally went down at the one yard line. I think so he could save, like, hey, let's let let's just run this clock down and kick a field goal, you know. But then they uh, you know, they score in the next play and um, it set up that madness for that last uh, yeah. last uh, series there. So who's your player of the year? 
in uh, for for all of them together. If you're going to pick one football player that's your player of the year, could you do it? I think I could. Who would it be? Oh man. Oh, I think step. Okay. No, I just I got to go overall, shouldn't I? Since uh, I guess since oh, this is really tough. Dang it. Um, I haven't announced it yet, but uh, I guess just because uh, just because CBC won it, I guess I got to give it to. Illinois side, Metro oh, East. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, on the Metro I, East side. I thought you were going. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Ooh, okay. Um, I guess you got to give it to. I guess I got to give it to. To Ryan Martin, probably from East St. Louis. I mean, the dude ran for three hundred yards against you know in the semifinal Lamont, and he. I mean, he had a great year, and I mean, he was really. You could just tell. Like, I was filming on the sidelines at the Memorial Stadium. Like he was really patient and he's smart for a sophomore, just to read his blocks. Um, I'd like to get, I guess maybe if I could uh, like give it to St. Louis's offensive line. Cause they, yeah. they, they, they made it happen. I mean, I think I saw somebody comment on, on Twitter. Like, you know, that's, that's an offensive line. That's, you know, Stephen Hawking couldn't, could get a gain a thousand yards. Wow. <laughs> okay. Heck of a comment there. John Huff gateway sports venue. Thanks for uh, going through the fall. We didn't do justice to volleyball and uh, tennis, uh, Cross country. I'm going to do a big, big cross country show later on. So if you're a fan of those sports, hang on. This this tonight's show was a little bit about volleyball and a lot about football wrapping up the fall season. And so I brought in the number one expert on high school sports in the area, John. Thanks so much for coming by, bud. Thank you. I appreciate it. That means a lot coming from you. We're going to talk triad girls hoops, but first we're going to talk about golf. Located northeast of Edwardsville, Oak Brook Golf Club is a family-owned 27-hole public golf facility. Their goal is to offer the highest quality golf experience for a reasonable fee. Oak Brook is consistently recognized for awards such as friendliest staff, best course to host a fundraiser, and best senior scramble in the bi-state area. From fundraisers to leagues to instruction to an afternoon out on the links by yourself, the Brook wants to win your business. I've personally played and hosted multiple golf scrambles there. Honestly, I've thrown a few clubs, too, if you want to know the truth. And I will attest, Mike Surrey and his staff are the best. To book your tee time or to start, or to start organizing your next fundraising scramble, give them a call at 656-5600 or check them out online at oakbrookgc.com. All right, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Coach Josh Hunt, assistant coach Bud Valino, and sponsor of Integrity Spine and Joint Center Team of the Month, state champion wrestler, Dr. Arthur Langston. Did you guys know that? Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, okay, all right, all right, right on, right on. Vandalia, right? Yep, yep, yep. Big He's time. a vandal. Good to be with you guys today. All right, well, congratulations, Integrity Spine and Joint Center Team of the Month. And we're early in the season, but what do you like about your team so far, Coach Josh Hunt? Oh, we, we got phenomenal girls within our program, good kids from, like, honestly, good families, and they work their tails off each and every day. We're really young right now. We're growing, but, uh, you know, that's the name of it, especially early in the season, trying to figure out who we are. And we only had three girls return with any kind of varsity experience. We've got two seniors and one junior, um, and then we go with a, quite a young group. Um, three, we start three sophomores, got a freshman and a sophomore come off the bench, and then, you know, two, two more uh, sophomores waiting in the wings as well, so. And you've been there for a while. How many years have you been the head uh, girls basketball coach? You well, were there. I've been there quite a while. This is my 15th, 16th year teaching there. I was an assistant for seven years under Sam Drake. 
Um, then I went over to the girls' side for three years. We had quite a bit of success, Coach Valino and I, and then jumped over to the boys' side for three years, and then I was missing a lot of my kids' events. You know, I've got twins that are juniors and then an eighth-grade son now, but that was, what, four years ago. So the the twins were in middle school, and I had a young son that was in fourth, fifth grade. I was missing a lot of their events, so it's like, you know what, I'm spending a lot of time with other people's kids instead of my own. And then I was only out of it for a year, and then – Realize, you know what, I kind of missed it. And opportunity on the girls' side opened up again, with, and then my daughter was going to be a freshman. Um, so whether she likes it or not, I was back and coaching her. So no matter where you go, you bring this guy with you. Yeah, yeah, we're kind of a package deal. I never thought one of my best friends in the world would be twice my age. But, <laughs> you know, I, I just feel like when I'm around him, at least I'm, I'm the better-looking one of the group. So I look, good, I look all right. Coach Valino, did you think you were still going to be coaching basketball? How old are you? Do you want to say? I'm 80 years old uh, and uh, still going. Uh, I got to meet Josh whenever uh, he was helping out with Sam. And he was as a assistant coach, so I kind of talked him into going to the girls. I told him, I said, you want to be a head coach, so – there's the avenue to go, and then plus the idea that I know he would he would enjoy it, and which I think he did. And needless to say, he went back and tried the boys, and then he came back and he's back with the girls now. So it's it's worked out great. I have enjoyed every minute now to try it. It's just been a a blast for me because. I have no worries, and I don't have to worry about anything. Yeah, after you've been a head coach, being an assistant coach is perfect. Right. right. Oh, no question about it. You know, I can go home and I can put my head on the pillow and I go to sleep, but I don't have much of a problem with that. So. And for the folks who don't know, Coach Valino is an Edwardsville High School Athletic Hall of Famer, uh, one of the first people that they put into the Edwardsville High School Hall of Fame, and he is in the Central Missouri State University Hall of Fame also, where he was once dubbed the greatest athlete in the history of his college. Well, Literally. sometimes you can't believe everything you hear. Well, that's what they said. I mean, they didn't have to say hey, those nice things about you, bud. He might be in about 83 Hall of Fames. I mean, come on. <laughs> is One he every out, year he's alive. Is he? Are you out there uh, hooping with those kids still, bud? Uh, not too often. Not anymore. Like he was, he was hanging on the rim last week. Yeah. You're a tall guy. I would reckon if you wanted to post up against these girls, they would they would struggle to push oh, you out uh, of the paint. Uh, yeah, but the way it is today, you don't. Uh, we don't post up against girls. Now, you made a statement earlier where you said you recommended to Josh that he coach girls. So you've coached boys and you've coached girls. What's the difference? Why do you like coaching girls? To me, uh, with girls, it's an everyday an occurrence where they are learning. And the idea that they respond so much to you compared to with the boys, you're dealing with a lot of egos and stuff like this here. And there's not as much pressure on you like there is in the, uh, with the men's program. So uh, to me, I think I've enjoyed it and I've had a lot of success with it. So that's even make it makes it a little bit better. Very famous, probably the most famous soccer coach in the history of NCAA soccer says that the difference between coaching the men and the women is when you spend your time coaching men, you spend your time trying to convince them that you know more than them. And when you spend your time coaching girls, you spend your time convincing them that they are better than they think they are. 
I don't think there's any question about it. So if you can instill confidence in your players, you're halfway there for coaching young ladies. Do you, you agree with that statement, guys? Yeah, I, I honestly think there's a lot of truth to that statement. The, these girls, that they're hungry. They're hungry to get better each and every day. Um, it's just a, a thought and a mentality that you just got to get them going in the right direction, especially at Triad. To be honest with you, we're, we're in a girls' soccer, I mean, haven. They've won four state titles in 11 years, and we're just we're trying to get athletes out, and we're trying to work with them. We're, we practice Friday mornings. We practice Sunday nights. Go play on weekends, you know, go, go have at it. But we're trying to get athletes. Where, so we, we've kind of catered our system to having athletic girls where we get out and pressure a little bit, and we, we do some other things that ideally showcase our athleticism and just realize – Girls, we need you. And, you know, with with our girls that try it, they're not as, as experienced in the basketball world as, as some others. They're not playing AAU or anything like that. But you know what? I, I wouldn't trade them for the world because we, we've got great girls who work work hard. And, I mean, like I said, we're just in a great community. They've got great parents, great people. You know, I'm again, I'm happy as can be to be the, the coach at Triad, and, and a lot of it's just because of the community that we're in. And Bud Valino may be 80 years old, but you got this man working. Oh, yeah. Not only is he no. your assistant coach, but he came we, here tonight to the studio late at night after coaching a middle school basketball game. Oh, yeah. Well, we, we've got a young coach at the eighth grade level, and she's going to be a really good coach. But as you know, just when you're a 24, 25-year-old kid, you're, you're still learning the ropes and just trying to figure things out. So I asked Coach Valino to go down there and help her out for the first month, month and a half of the season. Just so – he can be a, a mentor to her like he has been to me. And uh, he obviously he, he'll do anything for me and our program and our girls. And, and obviously Coach Welker who's in the eighth grade uh, for us. He's really helping her out. And I, I can't, you know, I'm forever in debt to him. And honestly, any, any middle school coach, it's, it's tough to be a middle school coach, you know, and so especially a young one. So he, he's doing a great job, and I really appreciate everything he's doing for us. And you're a middle school athletic director. Yeah, I wear a lot of hats. I uh, – I'm the middle school athletic director. That's more of helping my man Kenny Dethridge out. You know, he—I don't want to say he talked me into it, but he might have. <laughs> um, so he's Mister Triad Sports. Oh, absolutely, man! Kenny Dethridge is the best. I mean, he's one of my best friends in the world. So he—he's uh, Mister Triad, and then I—I I assist him as much as I can as the middle school athletic director. And then I'm the assistant baseball coach as well. So I wear a lot of hats and trying to be a father of three and try to be a good husband and. Um, you know, we make it work. And you're still having fun at 80 years old. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, up to a point now in life that whatever I decide to do, I do at my leisure time. You know, it's it's not that I have to do it, and, I, and that really works out great for me. Coach Molino and I have a true passion that we share. I mean, we love to go out to eat. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we solve a lot of the world's problems when we're out to eat and out and about, but that's where a lot of the growing – in my opinion, for me, has happened. Just in those conversations, we're out to eat, talking shop, talking X's and O's. You know, he's been there. He's done that. You know, he's been a coaching for, what, he's 80 years old? How, 60 years old? 60 years? However long it's been. He, uh, he's a great mentor. Doc, you got any questions for these guys as you sit here and listen to them? Do you know anything about basketball? I know a fair amount about it. You know, I mean, I'm getting more of the clinical side of it. But, yeah, I know quite a bit. Uh, I guess my, my question is, I'm not as familiar. How do you guys, like, you're, so you're one of your best friends. How do you guys know each other so well? Um, really, I was on the boy's side um, as the assistant. He was on the girl's side as an assistant. 
And then, honestly, when I walk by the gym, I figure he's this grumpy old man with his arms <laughs> crossed and got a frown on his face. So, you know, I've never seen this guy yeah, cry. He's smiling uh, right uh, now. He always <laughs> smiles. Then again, he was my, what, your driver's ed teacher or something like that. So, you know, I, I knew him from back in the day. But, uh, no, in all, in all seriousness, like when I was assisting the boys and he was helping uh, Coach Kleeman out on the girls, we'd talk shop. And then um, Coach Kleeman uh, gave it up, and then he came over the boys' side for a few years, and that's where we really became pretty tight. Thick as thieves, like I said. I mean, we – I don't think there's a day or two that goes by without us talking shop or doing something or very cool. You know, it, it's a, it, it, it's a, you get close good, to your coaches. No for doubt. Sure. Absolutely. We, myself and coach Valino, then I got, uh, coach John Weemers, who's another Edwardsville guy. I do know John. He was a student of mine. Oh, he's the best man. He's, he's a stud. Uh, he's missing a couple of homework assignments. Can you let him yeah, know that he needs to hand those uh, in yeah, still from 1999? Yeah. yeah. I'm sure he's really worried about that, but he does a great job, uh, for us. And then a former player of mine on the, when I was on the girl's side, the first time, Samantha Woods, Sam Woods helps us out and she does a great job. Then we have a strength and conditioning coach, Bailey stack. Bailey's she's great. Yep, she's tremendous in the weight room. And I think that's important from my point of view for having a female in the weight room. Yeah. I think the girls really buy into her and what she's teaching. And and I think that's really important, you know, to have her on the staff as well. Dr. Langston, you work with a ton of uh, the triad athletes. Have you worked with some of these basketball kids? Yeah, yeah, definitely on both sides of the ball. We've uh, tried to keep them, keep them as healthy and moving and grooving as much as possible. And like you said, with Bailey, I mean – I've uh, worked with her quite a bit over the last few years. She's she's a phenomenal um, asset to the program. Um, the boys will talk about how she kind of <laughs> pushes she's them to the max. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> my son my son plays soccer for her. Um, you know, he's been on the varsity for three years now. And, you know, she, she, oh, yeah. she gets after yeah, she, she It she doesn't does. matter what gender you are. She's going to get after you. And, but she does it in a great way. She really pushes them and, and does great things. And that's that's a very vital thing in conjunction with what I do to have a strong, good athlete, you know, in the weight room, that cross training aspect makes my job easier to an extent. And I think also having the good rapport with the coaches and the trainers at triad high school yep. being in Troy makes a, makes a huge difference for you. Yeah. And you I know, Josh is my neck, kind of my neighbor I actually live just no down the kidding. street. Oh, yep. Yeah. Wendell Creek. Yep. The Creek. Yep. <laughs> well, Dr. Langston, you did a great job with me on my thumb and my wrist. I've been pain free. And for a while there, I couldn't even barely hold a tennis racket. Right on. Before you guys get out of here, I want to know, give me a preview of the conference this year because I know who typically is good and I know who's off to a good start, but what is your outlook on, yeah. on your conference this year? Well, unfortunately for us, uh, our conference is absolutely loaded. Uh, Civic Memorial, you know, they're, they're the beast right now. They truly are in 3A. They they haven't lost a game in your conference in three years? Um, Boy, I'd have it's to two or th it's two or th It's yeah. at least two years. Yeah, they've done it. Obviously, Coach Arbonaut, we're actually – on the phone with him on the way over here, giving him crap. He just got named in the Illinois uh, Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah. So he's been on the show a couple of times. So congratulations, to Coach yeah, Arb absolutely. We're giving him trouble about him. Coach Arb is one of the really nice guys. Yeah, being too big to even call us and let us know or and all that. So we're giving him trouble. But and I think he and Coach Valino go to the same barber. Yeah, yeah. they do. <laughs> well, the funny part is, I called him yesterday to congratulate, and I told him, well, he was with us over at Triad for one year, and I told him, I said, boy, you know, that just goes to show you, I'm with you one year. The next year, you're a Hall of Famer. How about that? <laughs> yeah. So, well, he had to give me, I can't tell you on the air what he said. But. <laughs> yeah, we can we can imagine it. Yeah, absolutely. So, see him, though. They're, uh, they're, 
they're they're loaded each and every year, and what a great program they've built up from the ground up, back from Coach Denny and on. Right. Um, Highland is strong. Highland's Highland's back. Um, they they had a year where they dealt with some injuries and some youth, um, but Coach Hamilton, Clint Hamilton, does a great job over there, and he's uh, they're they're a force to be reckoned with. Waterloo is the best team they've had, you know, ever because last year was the best team they had ever, and they're all just a year older. We we're fortunate enough to beat them in a regional final last year. Um, that was our first regional final on the girls' side we won since 1984. So our girls are fired up about that. But then uh, they return everybody from that, you know, that regional finalist team. And then Mascuda's got a girl um, going to Southern Indiana who's averaging 22, 23 a game last year, and she's a load. So the the best team they've had in 20, 20 or so years. So, And then Jerseyville, we were in a ball game with them the other night, fortunate enough to get out of a win. So our conference is loaded, and with a young team, that's <laughs> – that's, that's, there's going to be some bumps in the road at times, but I think we're going to be a, a better team come January, February than we are right now just because we're going to deal with some growing pains and that's what go I through too. it. I looked, at the, I looked at it and kind of previewed, and I thought to myself, well, I guess CM is supposed to win it, but Waterloo's good and Highland oh, yeah. is good too. Well, so CM, was, CM was in a game with Muscuta the other day, and Arb said they made 32 of 37 free throws, and, you know, they – that's insane, especially on the girls' side to shoot that man. I said we who can't, made thirty two at thirty seven. CM, CM? Did, to get a eight point win, I think on the road or whatever. But they were down ten in the third, and then Loudon, their Mascuta's star, got got in foul trouble, and CM went on a ten nothing run to get it even and found a way to pull through. And they CM had a girl score thirty nine Durbin the other night. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. That's There's, amazing. Wow, good but, for them. So um, and then Highland went on the road and beat a really good Waterloo team. You know, so it's every game's a dogfight. We got Waterloo tomorrow night. They're really good. They've got a couple really, really nice players. And so we, we got our hands full each and every night. Are you changing what you do game to game? Or are you who are are you just who you are? We are who we are as far as our defense, you know, and the way we, we go about full things. court press. Yeah. Yeah. We we're we're all one two two. Um we can vary our pressure. There's some games where we're absolutely getting after them and some games where we're more conservative, make them use some time to get the ball up the floor. So we change the way we we do press, but yeah, we press off makes misses and we get after them. And again, that's just kind of who we are because of the type of athletes we have. We have really really good athletes. We're just trying to turn them into basketball players, and and they're they're buying in. We're gonna get there. Are you having to sub out a lot? To me, that takes a lot of energy to do full court press. You better have you better have. 10, yeah, 10, well, 11, 12? No, nah, we, it just depends. Um, foul trouble obviously depends a lot and in the shape of the girls. Like last year, our, we had a young lady named Avery Bonesteel at the point of our press, and she, she's a soccer player. I mean, they've won, what, like yeah. I said, two back-to-back state titles, and she was a linchpin yeah. in that. I mean, a big, big part of that. And she, she was just phenomenal at the point of our press, they anticipated well and did great things. And we had the Chigas twins in the back uh, of the press, and, I think their soccer instincts take over and read read eyes, read shoulders, read you know read body language, and they were great at jumping past lanes. And then we had another senior, Catherine Weber, who who was at in the middle along with Sammy Hartoy, and then my daughter would sub in. So last year there was time we only went six or seven deep, believe it or not. Wow! But our girls our girls were in phenomenal shape at the beginning of the year. Right now that we're we're not in the best shape that we can be, honestly. Um, so it, it's a work in progress. How are you going to get them in shape, Coach? Well, that's Bailey's job. <laughs> that's kind of different to me that the head that the basketball coach is passing off the fitness to somebody yeah. else. When you were in high school, Coach Waldo would have handled that himself, right? 
Oh, yeah, we, a lot of line tappers and suicides, whatever you want to call And he's them. up in the weight room doing the dips and the push-ups <laughs> himself, as I recall. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's times where, you know, you lose a game, you know, you're on the line, things like that. But, you know, there's uh, the game's changed. The philosophies have changed, you know. And we're these are multi-sport athletes that we're just trying to get them in the right frame of mind and the right, you know. Let's hear from a guy with 65 years of – competitive basketball experience or 70 years when did you start playing competitive basketball when you were 10 yeah about that i was in the fifth grade over at st boniface and i went there and naturally uh, uh they got a I, statue over there of you right <laughs> yeah I, he's standing I, with his arms out like this <laughs> a bunch of, wait no that's somebody else I, oh i thought that was him uh, yeah close always, he had I, a beard i always attributed my athletic ability to the nuns over there because i'd get in trouble I ran around that St. Boniface school so many times that there's a path going all the way around it. And so uh, whenever I got to the high school, my legs were in great shape. So it, they, they carried me a long way over the uh, different seasons and the coaching and everything else. So. Well, you were a football, basketball, and baseball star, if I recall. I did play those other ones. I, my football actually was better. I had more scholarships in football than I did in basketball. So Why'd you choose basketball? Well, there was a good friend of mine from Troy. And, well, there's two of them. It was Nelson Lloyd and Gordy McFarland. Uh, his brother Keith played out here at SIU. He, but uh, he came in and he said, why don't you come down and we'll just see how it was. And so we went down there and we played a scrimmage game against them, uh, uh, the team that was down there. We, we beat them, and so we decided all to go there. So we did. So there was there was about seven of us. Uh, two of them was out of Chicago, and we had two guys that was out of White Sands, New Mexico. They were in the service already, and they came out. So they were about 26 or 27 years old at the time, and I was only 18, and, and Mac was 19. So we, uh, we put together and had some great coaching. That's... I played for Gene Bartow, and uh, that is a famous name. Yeah, and he was an outstanding coach, and so I I was very lucky, very very lucky. I had some great coaches. I had Luco in high school, and Gene uh, Bartow in college, and so uh, I, I really I can't complain about anything. Really, my Here, life has been fulfilled. Hearing him mention Coach Bartow's <laughs> name reminds me of a story. I don't know what decision I was trying to go or maybe to take the girls over the first time or maybe to go the boys' side. Of course, I leaned on Coach Valino. I was like, like, don't live with regret. So then, of course, I asked him, you regret anything? And he told me a story. I guess Coach Bartow was starting the pro program up down at UAB, and they he offered Coach Valino an assistant coaching job on that. And I don't know if he's kicking himself or not taking, but he just wonders what if, what if you know, what if, what would have happened if he took that? Yeah. You never know about that, too. I could have wound up in Vietnam, too. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I think that what I, I, the choices I had, I'm well aware of it, and I'm proud of what happened. So. And how many years were you in Edwardsville coaching? I was there. Actually, I was a boys coach for 10 years and a girls coach for 10 years. And so then I went, I retired in 2000, and Daryl Butler, who was from Edwardsville, he was my assistant for a while at the high school, and well, he went over to Troy, and he says, I retired, and I said, why don't you, he said, why don't you come on over, and I says, okay, I said, I'll go over, so I 
went over there, and well, 22 years later, I'm still there. <laughs> it's been a good fit for you. You're yeah. having a good time, and I know that Josh appreciates having you on the oh. staff. Yeah. You've been working with kids for a long time. When you're talking to kids in 2022, does it feel like you're still talking to kids in 1992, or, or, or have kids changed? I, I think the game has changed. I don't think that you – you know, I think with the kids and, and Josh, that's what I probably like about Josh Morey. He can communicate with kids so well, and they respond. And that's something that, you know, it's hard to do today to put a team out on the floor and say things, and then they execute them. And so the other night I even made a comment after the ball game. I said that with Josh, we were in a tight situation. He got the timeout. He talked to him, and he told him exactly what he wanted. And, by gosh, it just like a book came right out of it and uh, I even commented to him I said they the kids execute exactly what you wanted them to do so what else could you ask for as far as a coach is concerned it's awesome and you got to love having this guy you got to love having that experience around you know not only does he have all the experience but I think at 80 you don't really have the ego of a young man you know where you're thinking, "Boy, I'd love to be the head coach again." Oh I think, no, oh. he he's got this term. He says, "Food for thought." Yeah, <laughs> and basically, here's what I'm thinking. You can use it if you want. You can't. You don't need to. Yeah. So he, there's times where I use a lot of what he says, but there's right. also times like, "No, I, I don't like that. I'm going to go a different direction." He, there's it's not like there's any hard feelings. He, he truly means it. Hey, here's my thoughts. Take him, take what you will, and go from there. So it's got to be great to be able to bounce your ideas off of that much experience oh absolutely and that's where i mean he's such a benefit to our program and 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 the kids that try it and uh, honestly our middle school girls are are benefiting from having him down there you know and that's where it's a big deal and if you just build those relationships with those girls and and your players and you know even on the baseball side you just build those relationships that they know you care and as long as you care you can get on to them if you need to or whatever and that that's just you build that rapport with kids, and, and Coach Valino's still doing that at the age of 80. Give me a few words about the vibe at Triad. You loving those kids or what? It looks to me like from the outside, it looks like Triad has a lot of school spirit. Yeah, we do, and it starts from the, the top on down. I mean, our, even our superintendent, Jason Henderson, yeah. it's, it's not uncommon to see him at sporting events. Of course. So that, that's a big deal. I really think that. And then Kenny Dethridge, Mr. Triad, but even the, the principals not only at the high school but but the middle school, Matt, Dr. Matt Noyes does a – Phenomenal job of being in the community. He's got girls that are now in college, right. freshmen. But he, I had him on the show. Yeah, the and twins. a senior, a senior uh, McGrady, who who's a basketball player and a baseball player, and then Kelly Barber, who's a, a principal at the high schools, always around. So there is a lot of school spirit. But again, I think it starts from from the ground up, and we're just in a great community. And I, I mean, I live over there now, so I'm partial. But I don't know. There's something to me about going small town USA. It, you know, my my son played on. Well, he's been a starter now for three years on soccer team. They, but this year they won a sectional over at uh, Bethalto, and I even took a picture. And I mean, there's fifty to sixty kids in this picture right in front of the goal with the team and the coaches. And I think I just put on the small town USA. That's what it's yeah. all about. You know, we just celebrate each other, help each other out, root for each other. You know, and I don't know. To me, there, there's there's just a passion and energy over there that's. Second to none. Good for you. Coach Lang, Miss Dr. Langston, you've got a new office. I do. I do. We moved there uh, to be five months uh, tomorrow, actually. 
and uh, just uh, kind of one exit over from where we were before, so it's like a five-minute difference. Beautiful new beautiful yeah. new building. Yeah, yeah, we really love it. We needed a little more space, had an opportunity. I'd been kind of wanting to uh, get my own building at some point in time, and this opportunity opened up, and so we decided to move and added a few other things. Not a lot of difference as far as you know what we treatment-wise, just a better layout, um, beautiful building, um, beautiful space. Uh, we're loving it, rocking it. Well, congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. All right, you guys. Congratulations. Integrity Spine and Joint Center. Team of the Month. Congratulations on your success. <laughs> Thank you. Working together and having fun and motivating these girls. And the success I'm talking about in the progress and the development you're getting from these girls. Oh, it's, yeah. it's obvious. Yeah, they're, they're no question. They're having yeah. a good time. Yeah, they're like I said, they're good kids. And they represent me, our school, our community, their parents, unbelievably. So that's that's really what it's all about. And congrats to you on assembling a great staff with the with the legend right here. Uh, he's tried retiring on me, honestly, for the last, five I'm going to say, five years. <laughs> Every year he's retired on me. Guess what? He's still here. <laughs> All right, guys. Big thanks tonight to guests Chris Eddy of O'Fallon Golf, John Huff of Gateway Sports Venue, Josh Hunt and Bud Valino of Triad Girls Basketball, and Dr. Arthur Langston. And for partners, Cassin's. Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, Callaway Home Loans, Keller Williams, Marquis, Jeb, and Ginger Blasting Game, Integrity Spine and Joint Center, Front Office Fiduciary Network, Oak Brook Golf Club, and Rosenthal License and Title Services, and our engineer, Everett Hicks. Thank you for listening to the Metro East Sports Podcast, talking all things sports in the Metro East.